Well, here it is, the last night of camp. I've got to go home in the morning. I uh, thank God for everything that uh, got accomplished this week. And uh, I want to take a moment to thank some people that, uh, and then you need to take some time tonight afterwards to thank them. And, uh, you know, it's a thing where, uh, first of all, I want you to stop by when you eat dinner tonight and individually tell each cook that you appreciate it and thank them for being here. Uh, they have worked down there tirelessly for you to have good food, and the food's really been good. And uh, I want you to do that. And then uh, we have a young gal here this week that, uh, Caroline, come on up here, honey. Uh, come on, yeah, you, Caroline, come on. Nurse Caroline, come on, get up here. Caroline, come on up here. Now, she works with Tara Bradford, and I don't know if you know or not, Tara Bradford really got sick with some issues this week and could not be here. Are you, so you work down at uh, uh, KU? You know, I got a granddaughter going to nursing school in KU. Yes. Yeah, which one of you is that? <laughs> oh, right over here. Yeah, Maddie. Well, I'm sorry. I, I thought, oh, you're, you're a brain surgeon. I'm sorry. You got it. <laughs> And anyway, so it's a thing where uh, she wanted to come and be a nurse at camp this week. Carolyn, uh, uh, Tara had to go home. She couldn't be here this week. And uh, so she really helped out and did everything uh, with Judy and, and just all the other people that were in the medical team. And she does not go to our church. And I just want you to take time to thank her for what she has done of being here this week. Did you have a good time this week? Yes, I had the best time. Good. When I, somebody told me that you uh, saw it, we all have Bibles that were alike. And um, so I want to have, give you one. I went out and got you one today. Oh, thank you. No problem. And here it is. This is a King James wide margin Bible that has big margins along the side that you can put your notes in. And I want to thank you for coming thank and being you. part of that. Thank you, honey. Thank you so much. You made the camp this week. Then I tried to tell you guys, and I know it's hard because everybody, when you go to camp, maybe other than some of the upper people who have been with camps for a long time, it's, it's hard to see the multi-dimensions of a camp. I mean, you, if you're a counselor, I mean, you see your kids. I get that. If you're a cook, you see the kitchen. Um, everybody has their, their place, and that's what they focus on. For me, you know, camp has always been a, a bigger picture in that for me. I told you last night that I have been in a lot of camps over the years, and to me, I think this is probably uh, one of the best in my memory just because of the attitude of the kids and the counselors and everybody. It really, it really did. And I, I, that is a real blessing for me. And some of you guys, you're going to be in the ministry someday. And you're going to have your own church. You're going to have your own camp. And you're going to be doing your own thing. And I, I want to tell you now, and I know it's hard for you to, to grasp this, but the real blessings for me in the camp this week uh, has been, and I told you this before, that we were going to have a multi-leveled camp. And, you know, you kids, you were everything to me this week, and I just thank the Lord that, that he did in your life what he has done this week. And you need to thank your counselors who have worked with you because they are the best of the best. 
and um, they took great care of you. I watched them very carefully. And, uh, you know, it's a thing where uh, I look at this, and, you know, I've been in this business for 50 years, and now I see things paying off that maybe that at the time I didn't understand why they were was happening. I just did it. I never looked you know, down the road and thinking that, I mean, I'm always looking down the road, but I never put two and two together. You know, I tell you about that you, in life, you, people look at short term, but you want to look at long term. And, you know, here this week, the real blessing for me, um, it, it starts with, with, with the Millers from Nebraska. You know, 25 years ago, at least 25 years ago, uh, I met with Rob and Carolyn and, and Judy and, and a couple other people on the phone every Tuesday night, and we had a two-hour Bible study 25 years ago. And it was a thing where, you know, we just spent, we did that for several, several years. Well, obviously, Rob and Carolyn got dialed into the Bible, and then they started having Bible studies up there for people. Their kids got saved, and, you know, and they... Uh, um, they, they started working up there with them. And everybody just got really dialed into the Word of God. And I stayed in touch. I went up. We did all kinds of things to help you up there. And in time, as it, as it grew, the Lord brought you kids down here from that family. And, uh, you know, you, you moved down here. Uh, Kenzie moved down here. Jared McClanahan, our our youth pastor, he, he's from up there in Nebraska someplace. And he, uh, he married Kenzie, and then they moved down here and got part of our church. You know, Logan and J. Frank Norris, they're always down here. Caleb, he came down here. He's part of it. The whole family. And, you know, they're here at camp this week. They work with me um, in, as my fellow laborers. But it all started with a little Bible study on Tuesday night, 25 years ago. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you got Olivia, you know, she's down here now, and, and she's she staying up there, but Logan is moving here in November. And uh, it's just a thing that you never know what you're doing at that point in time, how God is going to use it. You see, this you got to learn. We expect instant results because we're very impatient. I mean, I remember when they had the first McDonald's way before any of you were born. Remember that, Herb? You know what McDonald's was coined as? Fast food. Because everybody didn't want to take the time to cook, so you went out and got fast food. Because our, our, our whole world was so impatient. And then when the McDonald's got the fast food going, the fast food wasn't fast enough, so to put a drive-through so you could get your fast food even faster. Now... You don't even have to leave the home. You can get an Uber scuba driver or a nerd guy to bring it over to you. And it's, we're so impatient. And I'm telling you, kids, when it comes to you and God in your life, be patient. Be patient. He said that the word of God will not return void. You put it out, it'll come back in time. I, I think that... We got Hannah and Philip back here from Oregon. Most people don't know the story behind that. Probably 30 years ago, I preached a revival in Monmouth, Illinois. 
We had a great, great, great revival up there, but I, I got introduced to some key people who really fell in love with the Word of God. I tried to, we tried to start a church up there with a guy by the name of Kenny Klein. He lives in Peoria now, and Kenny and I still talk from time to time. And uh, we, I went up there for a couple of years trying to get the thing going. We even took a team up to try to knock on doors and get this thing going. Well, Kenny had a brother, Richard. Richard was a great guy. And, uh, you know, I got to be friends with both of them. And, and at the time, you know, the, the church, the, it didn't go anywhere. It never got off the ground. And, and this is another lesson for you. Sometimes you get so critical because you, we try to do something and it doesn't come to flourishing. And you think it's a failure. You think, well, wow, wow, we wasted all that time. Let me tell you something. Anytime God gives you an opportunity and you go through it, no matter what the outcome is, you haven't wasted your time. So here it is, 30 years later. Hannah who lives out in Oregon now, got married to Philip. They're online with us all the time. They can't find a church out there. She is Richard's daughter. How she got to Oregon, I have no idea, but that's where she's at. <laughs> they couldn't find a church. They bumped into us someplace, and now she's online. We're their church. But you see, if you just put it in human mindset like so many of us do, Monmouth was a failure. Somebody said, well, Bob, you spent two years up there and never got a church going. How stupid were you? Well, I am pretty stupid, but I'm dumb enough to believe that God's word never returns void. That's something you better learn. So here it is, 25 years later. They're dialed in. She's on the prayer line. They bring his, her boy to camp this week. And guess what? He got saved. Amen. All because of my failure in Mammoth. Yeah. Never count God out. When God gives you an opportunity and you go through it and you're faithful to it, no matter how it ends there, God's word never returns void. Now your whole family is saved, aren't they? Amen. Praise the Lord. All because God honors faithfulness. And so here I am this week, and it's, to me, camp is multi-level. And then <laughs> we got Adam and Rebecca all the way over from, from England. Ten years ago. No church, no nothing. Ten years ago. Her mom is, is looking for online for a King James church that they can listen to. Now, this is in England. How in the world American, you, and I don't know nothing about this, but how in the world American YouTube gets over into Europe and over to England, I don't know. <laughs> but you know what? There she is going through it. Boom, whole past Baptist church. And been with us for 10 years. No church. We're their church. And I'm telling you, for me, this week has been a special time for me because now at 73, after 50-some years, God's bringing home the fruit. 
And it's a thing where, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, I, honestly, I, I, and I'm weird for most people, but I don't know what I'd do as a Christian if I was 73 year old and I looked back and I just didn't see a trail of bodies of people that God put in my world to have an impact in. And I say all that to say this, learn this week. You young guys in my singles group and gals in my Alpha Bravo groups, learn how this camp shifted this week. I tried to tell you before, I know you didn't get it because you didn't see it. Now you have the example. You've got to rock and roll with this thing. You've got to adjust to it. You've got to be able to be fluid. When you put your messages together, you need big blank spaces in there. So when you see something that you didn't see was going to happen, you can put it in to make it all work. That's what the Holy Spirit of God wants to do with your life. He wants to give you the directions of your life, but he wants you to leave some blank spaces that in time, in certain situations, he'll fill in the blanks for you. If you can do that, if you can do that, God will do something with you. And of course, you know, it's a thing where uh, it's, it's been a great week for me. It's been a week to see that, you know, what I have stood by and preached for over 50 years is paying off. And it's a thing where for me, uh, it's the blessing of it all. I deserve none of it. Praise the Lord for all of it. But at the end of the day, God saw fit to use somebody as worthless as me to change somebody's life. And I'll tell you what, the key to God using you is to stay stupid. Just dumb enough to believe God. Don't get educated. Be out of your intelligence. Don't let anybody ever try to sell you on a ministry that's never built a ministry. Don't let anybody ever take your Bible from you. And God will use you. Now last night, we dug down a little deeper in, in, in Daniel. And tonight, I'm really not going to preach to you tonight. My preaching is over this week. I've accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish this week. There may be some kids out here that haven't necessarily got right yet, or maybe there's somebody here that's not uh, saved. Your counselors are going to have to deal with that. That's your job. I did my job. I dumped them in your hands. You know your kids now tonight better than I do. And you know what work needs to be done yet. And I trust you with that. I really do. But our developing theme, as you know, has been dare to be a Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. And uh, we have looked at our stand for God out of Ephesians chapter 6, the four times he tells you to stand. We have seen the wiles of the devil, craftiness. But we're going to take even a closer look tonight. I want to leave you with this tonight. I showed you the devil's plan, the Nebuchadnezzar's daily portion, the change and conform the king's seed into the world system of Babylon. We went all through that last night. I showed you that he's got a three-year program to completely destroy the line of Christ historically. And that same three-year program will be to you, to draw your spiritual line to you, um, to be what God wants you to be. And tonight, we're going to go just a little bit deeper in. As I said, I... I've accomplished everything I wanted to do this week. I had my own spiritual list of things, and um, it, it, they all worked out just fine. 
I, I did everything I could do that I knew how to do. But I want to close it out tonight by looking at the last aspect of this because I want to show you probably the greatest trick and the greatest tactic of the devil to destroy you and your life and to take from you all that God has for you. I want you to leave tomorrow morning prepared, but I want you to leave prepared for what's coming your way. Now, when your evil day shows up, and probably in most of your lives it's already here, you're going to have to face it again. Face it every day. You'll be faced with a subtle plan to change who you are. Just like we had the children of Israel who were of the king's seed, the devil wanted to change their identity. He wanted to change who they really are. God has a plan for you. And for you to accomplish that plan, you have to stay who you are. You can't be somebody else. You can't let the devil change you from who God made you to be to what the devil wants you to be. You just can't do that. You just can't. And, uh, you know, he wants to develop you into a child of God to take your stand and serve him, as we talked about last night in Ephesians 4, that you grow up into him. Now, on the other flip side of it, the devil wants to change uh, you and who you are to get the stand for him. He's going to do that through the daily portion. We talked about that last night. But I want to show you something tonight that is one of the most amazing concepts on understanding the wiles of the devil. Now look at Daniel chapter 1. And I'm going to read starting with verse 5 down to verse 7. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, and at the end uh, thereof they might stand before the king. We covered this last night. Now among these were the children of Judah. That's the kingly tribe. That's the tribe that Christ is going to come from. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, on whom the prince of the eunuch gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Bendigo. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the good week we've had. May we come here to close out tonight and just to uh, give uh, you the honor and glory for everything. I thank you for my own personal life, how you've allowed me to have a, a look back in over the years of the people that are here tonight that, that so many years ago, Lord, I, I just stayed faithful, didn't know any better. Thank God for that. And Lord, I've always given you the honor and glory. It's never been by anything I've been able to do. But Lord, I, the smartest thing I ever did was just trust you. And believe that you had everything in your hand. And when something didn't work out the way that I thought it should work, I didn't get critical. I didn't, I didn't start to talk about, well, this or that. I just realized that sometimes short term it doesn't work out. But God's word never returns void. And it's the long term you want to look for. And proofs here tonight. And the Millers. 
and our couple from, from Oregon and, and our couple from England. Everything, Father, that we did so many years ago has now been come to fruitfulness in their lives and now have come back into our ministry. I thank you for that. I'm an old man who thanks you for the goodness that you put in my life of the people that I've had the privilege through your word, through your Holy Spirit of God, to make a change in their life. I wished I could have done them all, but I saved as many of them as I could, Lord. Thank you for these kids here. Give them what they need. Help them to leave here with a glimpse of what I see tonight, of the greatness that could be in their lives if they'll dare to be a Daniel. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Now this is exactly here, verse 7. This is exactly what will happen to you. And it explains a lot. You know, there's things that I see in people, kids, families, individuals. And when I see it, I don't always understand it. Many, many times I've asked myself, now why is that? It's like the thing the other night I told you about the, the young men in the ministry that I put in, you know, that they didn't all do what they should have done. And I've asked myself, you know, over for years, now why is that? Then God gave me the answer. Because when you're on your own, it really proves who you really are, you and God. And I, I look at kids, you guys, and I've watched some of you grow up. <clears throat> I watched you when you were five, six, and seven, eight, nine, and ten. And I watched kids in that church that were that age, and they were the sweetest little kids you ever wanted to see. They were very loving, very kind. They sang their Sunday school songs. They did everything. They learned their memory verses. But something changes then. When they hit 16, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19, they're not the same kids anymore. And I would look at that. And I would ask myself, now why is that? What happened from the time they were five, six, seven, eight, nine, that changed that now that they're 15, 16, 17, and 18? You know, I've asked the same question about in church history. What happened to Christianity? I mean, you look in the book of Acts, they didn't have, they didn't have, they didn't have television. They didn't have big churches. They didn't have, uh, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have CDs they could listen to. They didn't have, you know all they had? All they had was the Holy Spirit of God. They got more done back then with nothing that we have today. No multimedia. No dancing girls on the stage. No big things up there. All they had was the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. <laughs> that was enough. And I used to ask myself, what happened in Christianity when the book of Acts shut down and, 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 and Walmart and Sears opened up? What was the difference? You know what the answer is? They dumped the book. And when I look at kids, and you're four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and you're just the sweetest little thing, and you laugh, and you, you're friendly and all that, and then when you hit 15, 16, and 17... Something changed. And I'd ask myself, why is that? And then one day God gave me the answer. This is how you learn things. 
The devil wants to change your name. He wants to change your name, get you to be somebody you're not to live a life that God never intended for you to live. Now watch this. The names that God gave these boys, Daniel. You know what Daniel means? God is my judge. The devil changed his name to Belshazzar. You know what Belshazzar means? Baal's prince. You see, God wanted him to be a king, but the devil wants to be king, so he only lets him be a prince. Hananiah, God is gracious, but the devil changed it to Shadrach, illuminated of the sun god. Now, instead of letting your light shine for God, you're going to let it shine for Baal. Michel means God without equal. But the devil changed it to Meshach, who means who is like Venus. Now, Venus is the sexual god. And this is why some of you gals and guys start getting into that stuff when you're 15, 16, 17 years old when you never should. You know why? The devil changed your name. You're not who you used to be anymore. Azariah, God is my helper. But the devil changed it to Abednego, servant of the false god Nego. You see how it works? Now you add to that the daily portion that he has for you, and through that process, he changes your name. You're not that sweet little kid anymore. Now, I, I mean, hey, let me just let me just give it to you. In these four names that God gave them is the four basic fundamental doctrines and principles that every young man and young woman needs to have to build their life for God. Daniel means the judgment of God. The first thing you've got to realize and understand that God is a God of judgment. There's seven judgments in the Bible. You need to know what they are in time. For the Christian, there's three judgments, sinner, son, and servant. You need to understand what those are. And with Daniel, the name God gave Daniel, it represents the first thing you need to know about the judgment of God. The second name, Haniah. The second thing you need to learn is about the goodness of God how he'll always take care of you. With Michelle's name, we learn of the greatness of God. And with Azariah's name, we learn that God is your helper and your friend. Those are the four things that you need to know. If you get those four things in your life, now you have something to build on. But you know what? The devil wants to take those out of your life. He wants to make you Venus in blue jeans. 
He wants to make you a servant of Nego. He wants to change your name from the way God made you so you won't stand for God, but he'll change your character through the, through the people you associate with, the daily portion you get. And while you're a great little kid at 5, 6, 7, and 8, you're hell on earth at 15, 16, 17, and 18. Nobody can touch you. You know why? <laughs> change your name. You're not that sweet little innocent girl anymore. You're not that sweet little kid who used to, the guy that crawled up in your mama's lap and said, I love you. Now, you know the most tragic part? This just shows you how stupid Baptist churches are. In every Baptist church I've ever been in, in the Sunday school classes, when they start to teach the kids, except our church, they start to keep the kids about Daniel and all those things, and Daniel and the three Hebrew children, they call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In churches, they use the devil's name. <laughs> I'm sorry, I said I wasn't going to get loud, but I had a pain in my neck, and I had to get out of it. <laughs> How about that? In the very churches you go to, Sunday little teacher get up and says, okay, kiddies, today we're going to learn about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Really? You know why she doesn't give them God's name? Because she's too stupid to know the difference between the two. That's why. I'm telling you, kids, you know what that's a picture of? That's the wiles of the devil right there taking you young guys, you gals who have every potential to be what God wants you to be and through that daily portion changing who you are. Seen it all my life. Never understood it till about 20 some years ago, but I got it. Now look at verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuch that he might not defile himself. Well, the great verse we all like to quote, Daniel purposed in his heart. He would not defile himself with the king's meat. He won't step outside the boundaries that were set for him back in his homeland. Because he knows two things. <laughs> and boy, leaving this camp, you better take these two with you. He now knows two great, infallible truths that are as infallible and as true as the sun coming up in the morning. And you need to learn this week and you need to take them home with you. Daniel purposed in his heart he would not step outside of bounds. You know why? I'm going to tell you why. Because he realized that there's consequences for getting out of the boundaries. There's a penalty to pay. You don't sow your wild oats, guys, and then pray for crop failure. What goes around comes around, especially with God. And there are consequences for us getting out of bounds. That's the first thing he knows. And you can see that principle at work in everything he does. The second thing that he knows, he knows that within God's boundaries, 
or all the blessings of God that he doesn't want to lose. That ought to be the two things that you take home with you that you never forget. Now let me show you something. Let me show you what God has for you when you stay with God and you stand with him. And I really want you kids to see this. Look at chapter 1 again in Daniel and come down to verse 9. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed you meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Then Daniel, to Mezar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had sent over Daniel, Haniah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days. Let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. And then let our countenances be looked upon thee and the countenance of the children that they eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. Now he's saying this, have a test. He says, you want me to eat this stuff 10 days and, you want, and then you want us to stand next to the king's Nebuchadnezzar's people and uh, you want us to, you want our countenance to look like theirs. And he said, we don't want to do that. So let's have a little test. You let them eat whatever slop they want to eat and you just let us eat pulse, that's vegetables, and water. Both of those in your Bible are a type of the Word of God, by the way. And uh, at the end of 10 days, you set the king's people over here and you set us over here, and let's just see who's better. I mean, seeing is believing. And of course, they said, okay, we'll do that. Let's go on. Verse 14, so he consented to them in this matter and proved them 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh, than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Oh my, wow, wow, really? Thus Mazar took away the portion of their meat and the wine which they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of, ten, now at the, end of the days that the king had said uh, should bring them in. Then the prince of the eunuchs brought them to before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hanai, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. In all matters of wisdom and understanding, and the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in his realm. Ten times better. Now that's what the Word of God will do for you. That's what I want for you. You stay in that book, but Bible says, David says, you'll be wiser than all your enemies. You'll have more understanding than all your teachers. 
That book will give you understanding of life. It won't just give you facts of life. It won't just give you wisdom about things in life. It'll give you understanding. And I've told you many, many times, facts are truths about anything. Wisdom is how you apply those facts. But understanding is how God figures into the equation. What is he doing? What does he want you to do with it? Ten times better. When I look at you kids, I look at you like they must have looked like those Hebrew children. You're all smart. You're all sharp. You all have the ability to learn. You all have the ability to comprehend. You all have the ability for God to take you through the Holy Spirit of God and to give you that book. And when you come out on the other side, when it comes up to the world, you'll be 10 times better. I was in Brazil. This has been probably 20-some years ago. And I was in a church that was probably the biggest church in South America. The guy, pastor's name was Dr. Fanini. And I had met Dr. Fanini at a Bible conference, and he was interested in our discipleship material. So I took a team down to San Paulo, not San Paulo, we went to, uh, where'd we go? Rio. Rio. We went to Rio. You know what a big Christ statue is? Godly city. <laughs> and uh, we taught discipleship down there. And Dr. Finini was on the fence with the King James Bible. And, uh, and, and there's, how many were with me on that trip? Are you here, any of you here? Some of you were here with me. I know you were. You're in this camp. Yeah, Judy was. Uh, some, of, some over the Penny thing was over there with Penny and them. And, you know, it was the thing where uh, he talked to me about it. And, I, and I, we were teaching discipleship. Rio is the most demonic place on the planet. We had a hotel that was up on a kind of a hillside, mountain-type thing. and had to take a path down. The word got out that we were there doing it, and every night you'd look over the balcony and the Satan worshipers would have our driveway ringed with candles. We'd go down in the morning to run. There'd be dead chickens and dead everything down there where they were trying to stop us. Great godly place. Dr. Fanini came to me and he said, look, the King James Bible has become an issue. Now there is a Bible college here in town and they're a little upset about what you're saying. And they have challenged you to a debate on Saturday morning for four hours. And all the students are going to come. And he says, the downside is that you're here by yourself with your team, but there's 14 of them that want to really get into you. And he said, I, I don't know what to tell them. I said, tell them, let's do it, man. I don't care. I don't care if we got 144. Tell them there. So he went back and told them the whole thing was placed out. That Saturday morning, that place was packed. I showed up with just my King James Bible. That's all I needed. Amen. We got on a platform. There was 14 chairs over here and a podium in the middle. And they were going to take me on. Fine. I don't care. I thought the odds were a little lopsided on their side, but I'm okay with it. So you know what happened? 
comes time for the debate, none of them show up. Not a one of them. Dr. Fanini was absolutely outraged because he set this up. They told him this is what they want to do, and now nobody, nobody showed up. There's 2,500 students out here. Dr. Fanini is, I, I, I don't know Portuguese, but I think he was cussing. <laughs> and he'd come over to me and he says, I love the way they talk. Brother Bob, Brother Bob. <laughs> oh, me, Brother Bob. He says, they did not come. He says, what do I do? And I says, well, everybody's here. I said, what do you think we should do? I know what we're going to do. You have four hours. You tell these people for four hours while the King James Bible is the Word of God. And I did. For four hours. You know why I didn't care if there was 14? You know why I didn't care of anything? Because because of that book and because of the Holy Spirit of God, I'm ten times better than they are. And so are you. So are you. You don't have to be afraid of things like that. Bring them on. Bring them on. And it's a thing where, you know, it, you, you, this is where you've got to take your stand. This is where if God, hey, it, c- come on. When I talk about God coming through for you, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, well, I was speeding and I went through a radar trap and God didn't let the guy give me a ticket. Oh, praise the Lord. God delivered me. You're an idiot. You get into a situation like that. You better have God on your side. You better dump your false spirituality and realize that God better be in your camp. Ten times better. Every one of you. You have that ability. I'm nothing. I mean, I, I'm, I, 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 I'm so dumb I don't even suspect anything. You're smarter than me. You're better than me. You're quicker than me. You're younger than me. You have the begin. You have everything you need for God to take you, and you could rock this world. But it's your choice. Don't let the devil change your name. That's the key. Ten times better. And I always like this. It says they were ten times better than the magicians and the astrologers. And I just stopped there and look at that and got a note of my Bible. You know who a magician is? He's somebody that does trickery without truth. That's all the world is. David Copperfield is probably the greatest magician out there. I don't even know if he's still alive. But for a long time there, he was, he was out in Las Vegas uh, and or those places, and he would do spectacular things. He made an elephant disappear. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about a little, a big elephant. He made a 747 sitting on a runway disappear. And people look at that and they think, he's a great magician. No, he's a great illusionist. He didn't make it disappear. He just used sleight of hands, mirrors, or whatever his trick is, and made you think he did. And the word will use the sleight of hand and the mirrors to make you think it has the answers for life. It'll make you think that that's what you need. It'll make you think that's the fun time in life. It'll make you think that all this is great when it's going to land you in hell. 
All Babylon has, all the world has, is magicians and astrologers. Can we see people running around? Hi, what's your name? I'm Bob. What's your sign? I'm a Gemini. I'm a Gemini too. We, we have a destiny together. This fate. A couple of people over at the old folks home where my boys preach. An old guy went up to one gal and he says, Hey, honey, what's your sign? She said, Blue Cross. <laughs> it's all an illusion. It isn't real. The only truth and reality of anything in this life is in that book. And you know what? It'll give you understanding. And I'm telling you, when you have understanding, you're ten times better. I wasn't afraid of those guys. I had understanding. I knew where my Bible came from. I knew wherever they went, I would be there before they got there. Ten times better. Every one of you. You all got the ability to be ten times better. Every one of you. Every one of you kids, you have the ability to be 10 times better. But what's going to stop it and cancel it out is you're going to change your name. You're going to take all those great four principles that you have to have in your life to build a relationship with God. My counselors here, every one of them, people in the kitchen, my nurses, the grunt guys, I would put them up to, against any pastor in this city. Anyone. You bring him on. I don't care. Because they got a book that makes them ten times better. And they know what they're doing. They know how to witness. They know how to lay it out. They know how to teach it. They know how to preach it. And they know their Bible. And they're ten times better than anything you're going to find out there. I'd put them up against anybody. And that's what I want you to be. I want you to be 10 times better than the world. Hey, not to bore you with church history or the Laodicean versus the Philadelphian church age, but churches today have lost their way. They don't have a Bible. They have superseded Bible truth and Bible preaching with a halftime show of, of lights and smoke and flashing things. And you think you're at a halftime show at the Super Bowl. It's all fun and games. There's no in-depth Bible. I always tell people, you know how you're in the wrong church is that if you go up to your pastor and you say, could I have your cell phone number if I could call you if I have some questions? And if he says to you, well, you need to go through my secretary. You're in the wrong place. Imagine a pastor, your pastor, making you go through Martin Borman to get to, to, get, to the, get to the head guy. People call me all day long. If I don't like you, I don't answer it. It's simple. But I'm telling you, what kind of pastor would I be if I only had limited access to you to me? Or if I kept office hours? Or if I was too busy. 
And the first thing you know, boy, if you're in the wrong place, is somebody who wants to keep you at a distance that won't give you their cell phone number that you can call your pastor anytime you need to and ask him any question you want. You say, well, I feel like some of my questions are stupid. Some of my answers are stupid. We'll get along just fine. I belong to you. You belong to me. God gave us to each other. And you have to have access to me. Every pastor ought to make himself available to the people that he has. It's just that simple. And when you don't, <laughs> uh, well, we won't get into that. I want you to be better than that. I want you to be 10 times better than that. The rest of this night, when you meet with your counselors, you guys have your campfire, get with Jared and Kenzie or Danny and Jamie or the people that work in those various ministries. Put your plan together of what you're going to do. When I have people come over and they got problems in their life and they have all kinds of issues, I know I can't fix it in one time. I know it's going to take a long time. Another great principle of life, it takes longer to get out of something than it does to get into it. And I've had them sit there with more, I mean, they had more problems than you could ever shake a stick at. And I want to help them. And I'm going to help them. But I'm not under any illusion that I can solve all their problems right then. But in every case, what I want to do for them is I may not be able to solve all your problems tonight, but I want you to leave here with a plan that we're going to solve your problems in time. You've got to give them a plan. You can't just pat them on the back and say, well, I'll pray for your brother. God bless you. That's the standard Baptist preacher mindset. Too many Baptist preachers, they stand up at the top of the stairwell and yell down with all the people, get up here where I'm at. Get up here with me. Come on, get up here, you rotten sinners. Get up here where I'm at. That's not how you build a church. As the pastor, you got to walk down those stairs and put your arm around them and walk them up those stairs one step at a time. You're better than that. I, I look at this crowd here, and I'm, I'm, on one hand, I'm just absolutely exuberant about what God did this week. But on the other hand, I know tomorrow morning he's going to come after you. You need to get a plan. You need to get high school kids, get with your counselors, get with Jared, get with Kenzie. You, Timothy, get with your counselors, get with Jamie and Danny. Get a plan. You see, they all have plans already in place for you. So you don't have to really sit up all night tonight thinking of a plan. Just get with them. They got the plan for you already. That's the plan you need to get. That's all it's going to take. And if you don't, this world will just swallow you back up again. Some of you will be back here next year, make the same decisions. And then next year, and then next year. And then one year, you won't come anymore. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> this is not my first rodeo. We may leave camp tomorrow morning, 
But in your heart and your mind, and I know in mine, it should be the only the start of your new life of growth with Christ in ministry. Now let me just say this to you also. There will be a price to pay if you're going to take your stand. You see, your salvation costs God something. Don't think for a moment that once you take it, it isn't going to cost you something. To whom much is given, much is required. All through this story in the book of Daniel, you see God's hand in his life. God creating the pathways to use him. But you also see the opposition of the devil trying to stop him. And I'm telling you this because the devil will try to stop you. So we see Daniel doing everything, God's hand on him, God blessing him, and God using him, and everything just going great. And then we hit Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar comes up and he says, okay, guys, we're going to have a church service. We're going to have a worship service. And we're going to worship God with music today. Well, the first problem with that, you don't worship God with music. That's the other Baptist stupidity thing today. Bible says you worship God in spirit and truth. End of story. So he says, all right, guys, we're going to have us a worship service today. We're going to, and then we're going to worship God with our tithes and our offerings. Another Baptist stupidity. You can't worship God with your tithes and your offerings. You worship God in truth, the book, and your spirit. That's where worship starts. And it ends there, too. And everything else you do has to be in that context. So he says, now, when you guys hear the band, church has got bands today. They're rock bands. They're not, they're not singing on with Christians. They're not like the Salvation Army. Salvation Army, you know, in the old days, they'd be on the street corner. They'd have the gate with the tambourine, ding, 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 passing out tracks and winning people to Christ. Not today. It's world's music. You see, when you can't, in the latest in church age, when you can't get people come to hear the Bible and you want to build a church, then you bring the world to the church and they'll show up. Somebody says, well, I got a church out there. I know a church out there that's running four or 5,000 people. My daddy and the Lord told me just because you've got a crowd of 3,000 people does not mean it's a church. And old Nebuchadnezzar, come on, boys. We're going to praise our gods. Now, when everybody hears the music, when the cornet, the sackbutt, when the, when the timbrels, when the drums and all that stuff and all those things going on, you know, when we bought our church, did you see that big hollow space behind me when I preached? That used to be where the drum guy was. Now, keep in mind, this church only ran 14 people. But they, I think half the, I think the, the band was up here playing and singing, and then when they got done, they all went down, and that was the 14 people that were in the church. <laughs> and you see it. They're, why? They're behind glass. And he's got a set of headphones on. And he's up there banging away. And goes, hey, I'm not fighting it. I'm just asking a question. Where do you find that in the Bible? Is that in the book of Acts? What happened when Acts shut down and Kmart and Walmart opened up? Something changed. Just like your name's going to change, maybe. So Nebuchadnezzar says, okay, boys, 
Nebuchadnezzar's Ragtime Christian Band. And when you hear that, everybody fall down and worship the gods. Daniel said, uh, excuse me, sir, um, I can't do that. Uh, I, first of all, um, I know we don't have a New Testament yet, but over there in Colossians, it tells me what true biblical music is, and this ain't it. Though I know I don't have a New Testament yet, but um, I'm, I'm typing the Holy Spirit of God in the Bible so I know these things. And they wouldn't do it. You know what happened? Nebuchadnezzar got enraged. He says, bind him up, throw him in the fiery furnace. And he says, I'll tell you what, I'm so mad. Stoke that fire, get it seven times hotter. Wrap him up, throw him in that fire. And there will be times when you take your stand for God that the world's going to throw you in the fiery furnace. In fact, it was so hot, when they opened up the doors, the guys that were throwing them in, the heat killed them. And they threw them in. Shut the door. Nebuchadnezzar is sitting up there saying, yeah, defy my church service, will you? You don't like my halftime show. You don't like my dancing girls. Well, now, nah, we'll just see how you like it in there. And he says, you know, I wonder if they're all burned up yet. So he walks over there and opens up the door and he looks inside and he says, how many guys did we throw in there? He said, three, your majesty. Well, there's four. And the fourth one, <laughs> it looks like the Son of God. And what are those three Hebrew children doing? They're walking around in there. Oh, it's cold in here. <laughs> Hi, king. Could you turn up the heat a little bit? Never be afraid to go into the fiery furnace because the Son of God will go with you. Take that home with you because it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. So, time goes on. We move into Daniel chapter 6, and now he finds himself in another fix. And this time, it's another setup, another situation, because you're going to find this. This time, guys who didn't like Daniel, didn't like his God, didn't like his Bible, didn't like what he believed, set him up. They lied about him. They went to the king and they said, hey, you made a decree that if these people don't do what you told them to do, that you were going to put them in the lion's den, and these guys, they're not doing it, king. Now, you made the decree, what are you going to do? Well, the king says, yeah, what am I going to do? He says, okay. Take them, throw them in the lion's den. No, back then, that was a way that they got rid of people. They had a big pit down there with four or five lions in it. And uh, that really started what the Roman Catholic Church did later on in church history. And uh, it was, uh, you know, they turned the lions on them. 
And it wasn't very much of a money-making deal because one of the guys come up to the king and he says, we got to do something about these lions. And he says, why that? He says, because they're eating up all the profits. <laughs> profits, biblical people, you know. <laughs> so they throw them down there and the lions would rip them to pieces. So he throws them down in there King goes to bed that night. He can't sleep. He can't sleep because he knows he didn't do what was right. And he can't sleep. And I always looked at that and thought to myself, you know what? He was the king. He had the best bed in the kingdom. He had servants that would bring him hot milk, bring him sandwiches, bring him whatever he needed. And all the world and the things that he had could not give him a good night's sleep. And Daniel's down there in the lion's den. I guarantee you, Bible doesn't say this, but Daniel had the best night's sleep he ever had in his life. And he's curled up there, you know. How many people sleep with their dogs? Everybody. And it's a thing where we have two to sleep with us. And I'll start out sleeping at the end of the bed and I'll wake up in the middle of the night and, and it's too warm so I'll put my head down at the bottom of the bed and I'll have the fan right over me and Izzy's always down there. And I'll, I'll lay there and I'll drip back off to sleep because I'll hear her snore. She's making a little, hmm. Sometimes she's dreaming that she's in a fight and she's running. Your dogs ever do that where they're barking and they're, oh, 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 oh. And I smack her and I said, you're in bed, knock it off. Can you just imagine being down there with five or six 800-pound lions all sleeping, all just purring, and you just snuggled up on top of one with your head on that thing, boy, and that thing, thing just, and you're petting this big old mane, and it's just laying there, and you have the best night's sleep. King didn't have a very good night. And he comes down in the morning, he says, oh, I got to, oh, I know those guys are dead. And he walks over to the thing down there, and he, he looks down, and there's Daniel. And there's all of them down there. And you know what he says? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel, and has shut the lion's mouth, and I have not hurt me for as much as before him in innocency was found in me. Also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that he should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. They're going to throw you in a fiery furnace and they're going to throw you in the lion's den. And don't ever fear being thrown into the lion's den if the lion of the tribe of Judah goes in with you. These are lessons. Coming your way. Now there it is. All you need to know. I jam-packed in four days or four times and everything that I could cohesively uh, put together and God show me to do, to give you, to, to help you give you by the end of the night, everything you need. And the best part of what you have going for you is not me, not Herb. Obviously the Word of God, but the best part that you have for you is your counselors and the people that you work with. 
the counselors and Jared and his wife and Danny and Jamie and the, all the kids that work in there. You got it made, guys. But you got to have a plan. You got to leave here tomorrow and you got to decide you're going to take your stand. You got to leave here tomorrow realizing that it's your choice. You got to leave here tomorrow setting some boundaries and getting a plan that you're going to stay with and bring them in on it. You can't just get a plan and be by yourself. The reason why God gave us the New Testament local church because every believer is supposed to be a member of a New Testament local church. Every clown out there that gets off the wall, and I get called like once a month, somebody, somebody called me last week with the most goofiest stuff you've ever heard in your life. He said, I just like to think, what, know what you think about this, Bob. I said, I think it's junk. I said, let me ask you a question. Where do you go to church, and what pastor are you under authority? You know what the answer was? The same answer with none of them. None of them. You need to be part of a New Testament local church. You need to be under a man's ministry who understands ministry, who's got a thriving ministry, because you need to grow through it. You don't need to be stuck in the mud someplace where you go nowhere. You're too valuable for that. You're too good for that. I want you to be 10 times better than anybody else out there in the world. And you can be. <laughs> hey, I had to really work at it. You guys will get it a lot faster than I did. I mean, to tell me something, I look, and I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did it the way I did it, but I never had your guys' intelligence. I, I, I don't ever think I'm, I, my claim to fame is I always say I'm the fastest one in the slow class. I, I never had the intelligence that you guys have. I never had the ability to see and understand things until I got into the Word of God. But it was hard for me because I, I wasn't where you guys are at. I had men in my life that helped me. I had people in my life that helped me and helped me along the way. Uh, but at the same time, it, it was harder for me than it will be for you. I mean, there's 31,176 verses in your King James Bible. I went through every one of them and laid it out doctrinally, historically, inspirationally. You know how long that took me? It'll take you half as long because you're better than that. But are you going to do it? Because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take you leaving here tomorrow morning deciding it's going to be different. And if, it's, if, if you decide it's going to be different for you, I can guarantee you, then you'll make a difference for God. But that's where it has to start, with you. Has to start with you. It's about getting the balance. Let's have my balance guys up here. Quickly. Now these are my balance guys. These are going to represent you. So you come to camp this week, and you got your Bible. Now you're going to leave tomorrow with your Bible. Pretty soon, you're going to go back with Jared or Danny and Jamie and, and Kenzie, and you're going to, uh, you're going to, uh, um, you start going to get into, into Jared's program, and you start to really get into your Bible.
You're going to do that for a while, and you're going to be doing really good. You see, and you're, you're getting a good balance, but you can't stop there. Now, you're going to, in time, you're going to get into ministry. He just got out of fellowship for a minute. <laughs> now, you've got a real balance going, see? Now, you're balancing, you're balancing, and that's what the ministry is. Now, you're, now they both got out of fellowship, but they're, they're back. Now, what happens next is Jared or Danny or Jamie and Kenzie are going to say, okay, I want you two to work together with somebody. So you two are going to, two of you are going to work together. <laughs> That's balance. <laughs> you have to learn to balance those things in your life. It's all good. It's all there. But you have to balance. These guys quit the church and left. (laughs) Thanks, guys. I love you guys. We're going to pray, and then I'm going to let you go. Get with your counselors. Enjoy your last night. I know Jared's got some things planned, and I just want you to think about everything we talked about this week. And I want you to know that I love you. You can get a hold of me anytime. I know you got your guys and your counselors, but you can call me, see me at church, grab me anytime you need me. Because I love you very much. And I want you to be better, 10 times better. <laughs>